Kiora, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Wellington, you're listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. We're on B-Side Stories, the show about people that makes Wellington tick, and I'm Ruth Croft. After talking to my guest previously, I have found out that New Zealand has the largest concentration of bees in the world, but we also have the largest percentage of habitat and biodiversity loss. The bees are in trouble. My guest today is Jake Schultz, a man on a mission, and the inspiration behind Katoa Innovation. This is a social enterprise startup providing a platform to empower communities to restore native habitat and save the bees through education and emerging technologies. He's a former lecturer in apiculture, he's a background in education, permaculture, organic farming, and of course, beekeeping. He is just the man for the job. Welcome, Jake. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. I appreciate it. So, first of all, can you tell us what does Katoa mean and what is Katoa innovation? Right. So I looked into trying to get an understanding of the word holistic, you know, and what it means to us in this day in New Zealand, um, and particularly um, a connection to it so it encompasses everybody around us, whether it's going to be biodiversity or habitat or, you know, plants um, and the people too. You know, and being in New Zealand, I think it's particularly powerful that we need to have something that encompasses that with te reo. Um, and so when I asked around, I looked at um, katoa, um, to help with that, um, to include everybody. And and so what is Katoa Innovation? Right. So looking at Katoa, we're looking at um, innovating the ways that we um, currently perceive things. And so whether it's looking at beekeeping um, and saying what is the systems that are happening that we can help with, you know, to innovate it to um, a current new structure that's, that we need to face in the future. Um, but at the same time, we're also looking at um, helping individuals, too, in order to reach that platform using social media and using the technology of phone you know, um, or even AI and blockchain technology to help us with this. Can you explain for some of the listeners blockchain technology? Right. Yep. <laughs> Mainly me, actually, everybody. <laughs> yep. So most people will assume blockchain with cryptocurrencies, um, using as a, um, as a way to track and manage currencies online. Um, so when we look at blockchain, it's an online um, platform um, as an online ledger. And so with that, so if something happens, we can trace it. Um, so I'll say for frame tracking, say, for beekeeping, we can attach that to it and we can track the frames um, and know what happens through those systems. Right, right. So Katoa was born out of a lot of needs that you yeah. saw. Yeah. So can you tell us some, what some of those were? Yeah. So I, I've noticed this particularly when I was lecturing at UCAL um, in Palmas North and, and in Wanganui. Um, and what is actually happening with our students? Um, you know, and what they're able to achieve. Um, and from there, it was a lot of things I found I was missing. Um, 
One, I mean, we have a lot of struggles and issues within New Zealand in dealing with um, the beehives and land management, uh, but also the education side of where our students are getting information from. Um, so a lot of the information, we just don't have the resources in New Zealand that are specific to New Zealand um, in an accessible way because um, they're going out and getting the, um, the education from America or Europe, um, and it is not relevant to New Zealand. So a lot of things that we're doing are wrong um, and it's more empowering those individuals. Can you give us an example? Uh, yeah, in what way? Of the things, some of the things that we're doing that aren't that aren't quite right. Yeah. So. Um just even just different techniques that we do in in New Zealand for beekeeping per se, you know, um, and so how you manage hives in America or Europe are very different than New Zealand because of the manuka that we have. You know, our focus is on that for export, um, but at the same time we have to understand what they rely on, which is our habitats, you know, specifically. And so, um, you know, when we have an area that's that's devoid of that, why is it that students going to come in think they're going to put hives on their land when they don't have the food sources available for them? And so Katoa Innovation, what exactly are the tools and services that you are creating to address some of Mm. these needs? Mm. First and foremost is the education side of it. Um, You know, being the lecturer and coming from an education background, that is most important um, and powerful because without the education and support, you can't get anywhere with that. Um, And so I'm going out then and and going out... um, to record and video and audio podcast um, the stories that individuals are going through currently in New Zealand um, within this, whether it's looking at the plants or the beekeeping um, and putting it up online so that others have access to it. So crowdsourcing information from landowners and beekeepers to landowners and beekeepers. Right, and so you're creating an online space Correct. for Correct. this uh, yes. education. Yeah, right. so... Yeah, whether you're using YouTube, um, you know, news feeds online, um, you know, still in development as, we, as we're making it. Um, but, yeah, having an online platform so everybody can have access to it. Yeah. So you talk about empowering communities. Mm. Who do you think will access this and why? I look at it as mainly initially as land users. So, and I count on land users anybody who has a garden, who has a farm, who has a backyard, anybody because they are the most the most important I find um, because they have the land to grow stuff. You know, when we look at beekeepers, they don't have the land necessarily unless we're working with iwi or large scale farms. You know, but. The thing is that every single person can really make a difference in the end. So I'm trying to empower those individuals to make those changes. Great. So what are your key goals? Let's say mm-hmm. when your vision has come to fruition, right. what are the key goals that right. will right. be out there existing in the world? Yeah, so I'm looking at at really just um, to how can we, one, meet the government's needs um, in order to actually get that one billion trees that they want planted. You know, they have regulations and guidelines, of course, you know, but figure out how can we work within that for individual users to track that, um, you know, to, to bring back our biodiversity and species um, while using beekeeping as a way in order to help get to that point. You know, so if I can empower people to plant specific things and they know what they can plant, um, that helps both ways because the beekeepers can't do anything without relying on those individuals who are with the plants. Right. So even if I don't actually want to keep bees, but I right. wish to help, yep. I could then access your resources Correct. to find out 
how do I, what do I plant in my location, yeah. in my little space? Yeah. So as we continue to grow, it's looking at getting the resources online um, so they can access it, but also getting it into the fingertips of our hands, which is with smartphones. You know, we have this technology and we need to utilize that for our advantage. So if I can put it out there, you know, um, say, look at your phone, go on to the camera app, you know, or with the app that we're wanting to make, um, and, and having AI to recognize these plants. Because I had a student that came and didn't know what clover looked like <laughs> you know, at all. And so I'm like, okay, take a step back. <laughs> you know, we can't just assume that everybody knows what plants look like. You know? And so, but if I can go on, track at saying, hey, hold on a second, this is clover. I can start managing that for and empower you so you know exactly what plants you have in the area, you know, what's missing from your area, and where you can go to, you know, um, to get those plants um, not just for yourself, but it helps everybody else in your neighborhood and communities too. So what you have in your area is going to be very different than what a neighbor down the street has. Um, you know, and those bees are going to be flying. And other pollinators use those sources as well too. So what is the status of bees nationwide compared to that of, say, the bees in Wellington? Yeah, and it varies um, depending on the time of the year, too. So, I mean, when we have manuka, they're go going everywhere, really, following the manuka trail. You know, and other beekeepers are looking at clover. They're looking at different forms like bahutakawa honey. Um, you know, and so, but the, really, there's gen in the North Island, there's generally three areas that they're going to, you know. And so, when they're going in winter, all those hives that we have, so about eight, there's approximately 880,000 hives, registered hives, but it's estimated 1.3 million hives are all going into those three locations. So that puts more pressure in those areas. When we look at Wellington, though, we do have a significant concentration of beehives in this region that is unsustainable, which is because of that we have the causes of in um, higher rates of diseases that's, that comes from that. So whether it's varroa mites or American fowl brood, um, and we need to manage those. So you're saying in Wellington we are overpopulated with hives? Correct. Yeah, so, but it depends on the region. So some people will go say, like, I have a, see a ton of bees in our areas, you know, and then other regions say, actually, I haven't seen any at all, you know. So, but we have no way to know what the threshold levels in those areas are. But in general, as a consensus for Wellington, we are overpopulated. Is that because there simply isn't enough actual food source for them in Wellington, for that many sort of bees? Um, yeah, yes and no. And so, and that's the way we have to track that. We have to find out exactly what do we have. So if somebody that's going to be in Miramar, you know, their biodiversity is going to be quite different than the, the biodiversity that's in, um, in Aro Valley, you know. So we have to be able to band together and work to figure out what exactly is missing throughout the year. So there might be something saying in springtime it's really good in Miramar, but in autumn it's terrible. <laughs> so, so we have to find out then saying here's the resources, here's what you have, and this is what you can plant to help with it. Right. So what are the, all the factors that make it hard for bees to thrive well? Yeah, it's, it's mainly knowing what, what there is, you know. And so, um, I mean, look, they, they go between three and five kilometers. And if there's more biodiverse food sources available for them, they're going to fly within those means or less. If there is nothing, say like in the Martin region between Palmas North and Wanganui, then there's nothing. So they're going to fly 15 kilometers away for that. You know, so for here, it's, it makes a difference um, what we have.
Right, and mm. that that puts a lot of pressure on them too. Exactly, they, they exactly. Wear out. <laughs> so the longer they, the longer they go for, the the more stress that they have. They bring that back. They're more prone for the diseases that we get that they get. Right. Now I have been trying to do my bit for the bees. <laughs> I rent in Central Wellington, and I've got a huge section. For the last couple of years, I've been filling the garden with cuttings from friends, neighbours, and every free or cheap source I could find. And I had one particular bank that was laden with flowery cuttings, nurtured since last autumn, all coming away beautifully. And imagine my devastation when I discovered that the young men responsible for garden maintenance had been, and seeing only the spring weeds, had weed-eated it back to bare dirt. I was very upset. Now, if I am a listener with a Wellington City garden... How do I make it an ideal place for bees? Mm-hmm. So currently there is a lot of resources online, but they're all kind of spread out right now. I mean, we have the organization Trees for Bees that have a wonderful plethora of information, you know, that's available. But when you look at the that information that they do have, it's kind of hard to, dis- to distinguish what actually is appropriate for our specific region. So what I say is look at this, um, is you need to start looking in your area of what is neglected and what there actually is. And so if you want to start replanting, um, start being aware of the plants that you have. Um, you know, and saying, okay, is this actually work? You know, I need to start planting this. When we have um, weather, if you want to make a very quick impact using herbs, flowers, open pollinated sorts of plants that are really good. But in the long term run, you want to look at large scale trees because they are more bang for your buck. They're able to get a lot of flowers, but it does take a lot of time in order for them to build up. You know, we have plants like lace bark and, and lemonwood trees that are phenomenal for them. Um, but, um, you know, it does take time. That yeah, so so you were telling me the other day that some flowers are more useful to mm-hmm. bees than others. Mm-hmm. What are the different types? Yep. And so when we th- when we think of uh, putting plants out, we're like, okay, so we want to put a chrysanthemum out, we want to put a daisy out, you know, or um, say um, like rosemary, you know. But they all have different types of flowers that are associated with them. You know, one you want to make sure you have plants that have the variety of um, food sources for the entire year, but you also need to have diversity in terms of the type of flower that they have. So you say. Um, like a rose is an open is an open um, access flower. It's right laid up there. The pollen's presented. You know, the bees come and come fly in, and it's great. Um, so they're able to get the pollen sources, nectar. There's also ones um, when you look at flax. Flax is a direct access, and so it's a tubular funnel. So they're forced to go into those flowers in order to pollinate them. Now the bumblebees are really funny because they'll just go over the side and just completely ignore it because they're too just big to get into it. So they'll drill a little hole in the side and suck the nectar out. <laughs> You know, that so, is the, so, cool. so they don't, they're not really, you know, each bee has a specific role, you know, and our native bees as well, too. Um, and, um, but yeah, so that's another one. And then the other side is looking at um, closed access. So, like, when you look at the peas or beans, like snapdragons are really good examples where they have to actually open up and force it themselves in um, to work on that. So if I'm a New Zealand landowner with an interest in being bee-friendly, mm-hmm. What's the useful takeaway for me then from from listening to what you're creating? 
Yeah, um, it's mainly to get educated, you know, and so there's a number of resources. We're compiling those resources on, you know, for you to have access to it. Um, and there's a lot of plethora of information online, um, but again, it's trying to get New Zealand specific. So whether the New Zealand garden magazines, you know, um, you know going to your garden center and asking really to have them focus on an area to know exactly what there is for bees that they can plant. Um, instead of just relying it on the consumer, they have to have that support for it so mm. and it's not just the bees that will benefit from bee friendly choices about right. land use yeah how is it going to benefit the landowner right so that's the other side that we're looking at too is saying um you know we're working with um with the data commons of New Zealand to actually start to track and manage the, the plants of New Zealand, you know, and having it open source so people can have the fundamental basis of knowing what is the actual value of your land. So if I come to you, you know, as, as a beekeeper, the only way that you know of what your land is worth is me telling you. You don't have any idea at all. Um, so you need to be empowered in order to know that information, though, too. So um, saying, okay, the more biodiverse that your land actually has, the more it's actually worth. You know? Why is that? Um, the value of the nectar sources that they have. You know, the, the variety of biodiversity, whether you look at the plants saying what we're putting in, um, not only gives pollination, but it also can fix nitrogen levels. It can, you know, ease the, the contamination issues that farms have from going into the waterways. Um, you know, whether it gives back to the soil and multiple nutrient um, density of foods that are there that are growing not just for bees, you know, but also other pollinators, other native species that we have in New Zealand that are endemic and endangered as well. Um, you know, our New Zealand um, native bees in particular, um, you know, and then for us as well. Right. So, yeah. so ultimately, by by creating your land to be bee friendly, you're actually yeah. enriching it, yes. and you it'll be more productive and healthy yeah. overall. Yeah. Uh, so, going forward, what is the vision for Katoa? Mm -hmm. about the benefit of the tools that you're creating. Right. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you. You know, again, it's a build-up. So getting the access, going around, um, we'll have information online, um, you know, and the video resources. But as it goes on and it gets more developed, yeah, having the platform so that you have it in your hands so you know what to go to without having to fight, you know, the Internet mm. to find it exactly what works out, you know. We're consolidating that down for you. Yes, and you're just starting on this on yep. this journey, Correct. aren't you? We're so you've still got things to build. Yep. So it's something for people to look out for. Yep. Are you partnered with anyone in this venture? Yeah. Like I said, we're partnering with um, we partnered with um, the Data Commons in New Zealand um, to build this database for all New Zealanders. Mm. Great. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Is there anyone else you would like to get on board? And if so, how would they oh. benefit? <laughs> There's lots of people I'd love to partner with there too, you know, since we're very environmental. I know. Speak it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so MPI, <laughs> you know, um, giving um, ideas and because we have lots, we're trying to, we're trying to make a difference here in New Zealand, you know, that the main thing that I find is that New Zealand is a, it's an innovative place, and it's a small place and concentrated. So one small thing can make a huge dramatic effect in the end, whereas you go to America and it just gets lost. You know, So we can really make a difference here. We bind together, open the access to information to everybody, work together. We can actually make this change. That sounds really great. So mm. how far have you come, mm. and what are your next steps? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's been a learning process for sure. Um, looking at you know the education side, and I've I partnered with a lot of people, getting input, you know, and so the next step is building this up. And so um, yeah, looking at um, innovative ways, looking at funding, you know, to get things going. Um, and, and working like Predator Free New Zealand, you know, at the same time, if you have plants out there, you need to track it to find out what's going to be happening with it. Where do people find you yeah. online? They can come to katoanz.com. So K-A-T-O-A-N-Z.com. Mm. And do put the NZ, everybody, because I've, I've looked it up once yeah. or twice. And katoa, of course, has so many meanings. Mm. Many things come up. So it's katoanz.com. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in today. Right. Thank it's you. It's been great. It. And I'm sure the bees are going to greatly appreciate katoa innovation. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Right. Hope you enjoyed that interview, everybody. You were listening to B-Side Stories. I'm Ruth Croft, and I was speaking to Jake Schultz from Car Tour Innovation. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.